Hello from AEI in Washington, D.C., and welcome to the Campus Exchange Podcast. I'm Jeff Pickering, Director of Academic Programs here at AEI, and I hope you are enjoying this new season of the show that we relaunched of sorts here in the fall of 2022. And on the Campus Exchange Podcast, if you've been listening along, you know that this is the show where we connect college and university students with AEI scholars. Uh, And our students talk to scholars about all the pressing issues of the day, about books that a scholar has recently written, uh, and they end each episode with the same big life question. Uh, But for that question, you're going to have to listen to the episodes with our students and our scholars on it. And that's because this week we are doing something a little bit different. Uh, This week, we are looking ahead to uh, the holiday season. Uh, We are here in the AEI studios in mid-December ahead of uh, the Christmas holiday, ahead of New Year's holidays. It's a wonderful holiday season. And for this special time of the year, some might even say it's the most wonderful time of the year. I am one of those someones who would say that. I thought it'd be fun to bring in a couple of our academic programs teammates. So let me, without further ado, uh, introduce you to the new stars of the show. First up, the producer of the Campus Exchange podcast, Chris Healy. Chris, say hello. Hey, everybody. Uh, This is Chris Healy. Really happy to be on the show on this holiday edition. Um, And as we're going around introducing ourselves, we're sharing our alma mater. um, And my alma mater is Kenyon College in Ohio. That's right. And and I don't know that I've ever shared my alma mater, uh, but I'll come back to that. Next introduction is Camille Messer. Hi, everyone. This is Camille Messer. I'm really excited to be on the show today. I've had a lot of fun watching this develop over the course of the past couple months and the past couple years. Um, the podcast has been around. I am a 2021 graduate of Covenant College. Awesome. Well, Chris, Camille, thanks for joining the Campus Exchange podcast. And because I haven't shared it yet, which I can't believe I haven't, but uh, my alma mater is Texas A&M University. Thanks and gigum. Uh, so I'm going to come back to Chris and Camille with the uh, with the special end of year holiday episode edition questions that we have for you all today. Uh, but first, I do want to remind you that if you are listening to this as you're driving home after finals, uh, or maybe you're procrastinating, studying for finals, listening to this show, hopefully none of you actually, now that I'm saying this, Chris, this will probably be out after finals are done, right? Is that right? Yeah, finals in this week. Finals are ending right now. Okay. They're reminding me of of the schedule of our said alma maters. Um, so hopefully you're on holiday break. You're on winter break, whatever your campus calls it. Now would be a great time for you to consider applying for our summer honors program. And as you've been talking about here on the show, and as you might know, our summer honors program is really our flagship opportunity for undergraduate students to engage with the scholars and scholarship of AEI. Uh, Summer Honors Program takes place each June, and we offer students the opportunity to come to Washington, D.C. for a week of seminar discussions with our nation's leading scholars. Uh, And it is all expenses paid. It's a really awesome program, and I hope you consider applying. Uh, You can apply to AEI's Summer Honors Program by just clicking the link in our show notes. 
and to stay most up to date with all of our work here at AEI, consider joining our year-round Executive Council program. You can follow us at AEI for Students on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and be sure to hit the subscribe button on your podcast player so you never miss an episode of the Campus Exchange. All right, Chris, Camille. Yes. We thought it would be fun uh, here at this end-of-year episode for our team to come down to the AEI Podcast Studio uh, and go through some end-of-year sort of wrap-up questions. It's a little bit like a you know Spotify wrapped of sorts, but you for our team, uh, which I, I do just want to note, I was very stressed that Spotify wrapped came out as early as it did uh, this year. Now, y'all, we talked about this in the office. Y'all said it always comes out around Thanksgiving. That gave me a little bit of a panic attack. I don't want to see the like end of year list until after Christmas. Like, uh, but anyway, so this is now likely uh, end of year. It's a good time for us to do this kind of conversation. So uh, we've got a handful of questions here. Um, some very serious. Some on the, uh, as my three year old son would say, on the silly side. Um, <laughs> But we're going to start off with a serious question, uh, which I think a lot of our students and listeners would be excited to know about, which is, how did you learn about AEI and what led you to work here? Camille, we'll start with you. Yeah, thanks for that, Jeff. Um, I learned about AEI in the summer of 2018. Um, As I said earlier, I attended um, Covenant College, which is located on Lookout Mountain, and I had my econ professor take a group of students who had just finished their freshman year up to D.C. to attend um, a summer conference here at AEI. Um, I was really impressed with um, the scholarship and the intentionality and the welcome that I felt, particularly as a 19-year-old from a small rural college. And then over the course of my college career, stayed involved through executive council um, and also our fall entrepreneurship weekend honors, which I got to do in 2019. Um, and just really enjoyed getting to meet students from vastly different collegiate experiences um, as mine. So that's how I heard about it. Um, and I just really always admired the work of AEI and was excited um, this past year, kind of thinking about what I wanted to do with a career. I was really interested in what does it look like to work with college students, um, less in a resi- residential student life setting, but more of what does it mean to help college students think about policy, politics, how their faith interacts with their politics um, in these really formative years of 18 to 22. So yeah, that's why I'm here. What about you, Chris? Thanks, Camille. Yeah, so mine's kind of an interesting story. It goes back to when I was in college. um, And I remember going on Kenyan.edu and seeing a familiar face to a few of us, Chris Paludi, who is a fellow Kenyan student of mine, Um, and plastered all over Kenyon.edu was Chris, and then in the background was the AEI logo. Um, And I was like, okay, wow, it's a kind of a fancy schmancy logo. I'm curious (laughs) what that is. Um, So I I looked it up, um, and well, well, it turns out, so Chris was an intern at the time, and and now he actually works in our Foreign Defense Policy Studies Department. But that was kind of my first exposure to the institution. Mm. At the time, I didn't really know what think tanks were, Um, but in reading about AEI, reading about the values of AEI, you know, American global leadership, solidarity with those at the periphery of our society and, and really competition of ideas and pluralism, it felt very refreshing, um, for someone in my position being kind of at odds with a a lot of the other student body, frankly, at a small liberal arts school at the time. So, um, and then I found myself regularly going back to AEI scholarship in my studies, 
um, and got involved in executive council, summer honors. Took me two tries to get into summer honors. Um, but I got in, uh, and then I interned with the Critical Threats Project and had a really phenomenal time. So now I'm, I'm happy to be here full-time and, and working on the other side of the programs that meant so much to me as an undergrad. Awesome. I love that. Uh, when we as a team, just in, in introductions earlier this year, were having a similar conversation about how did you learn about this think tank and, and what led you to work here, uh, I realized when I actually gave thought to that myself, because I came to work at AEI after um, nearly five years in Washington, D.C., and um, I had to think back and really try to <laughs> dig deep into my memory to figure out when I learned about AEI. And my best guess is that it was reading Jonah Goldberg's G-File and, and other publications by Jonah and other similar scholars. I think one of the first AEI events I ever came to before working on staff was probably Tim Carney's Alienated America book release. Um and, you know, there, there were there were many people like that that I was that I was reading. And, you know, when a big foreign policy decision, you know, was being made, I'd, I'd often find myself reading somebody who happened to oh it, as it turns out, as an AEI scholar. Same for different, you know, economic economics uh, issues that, you know, Congress might be faced with or uh, and and so for me, it was a matter of I was reading all of these different people and then learning, oh, there's this institution that they're all a part of early on in my, my time in Washington. And so that's what, you know, that's what brought me, brought me here to, to AEI. And it feels a little funny. I don't quite have as clear cut of a, when did you learn about AEI? It was more a process of just reading the scholars. And that actually fits with how AEI is built, right? Uh, this is a place with academic freedom and our scholars are all writing. There isn't a one voice policy for AEI. So, um, you know, for many people, they might be very familiar with AEI. They just don't know it yet mm. uh, because, you know, they're reading the scholar. So that's cool. Well, thank you. Thank you both for, for sharing. I think a lot of our students would, would probably have similar stories uh, to both of you. So the next question that we want to do here, and this kind of gets us into that Spotify wrapped sort of territory, thinking about the highlights uh, from our own consumption of AEI and similar material we want to talk about a recent AEI publication. So this could be like a book or an op-ed by a scholar, a podcast, an event, report. Um, what's a recent AEI publication that stood out to you and why? Chris. So this was um, perhaps unsurprisingly very difficult uh, to choose because there's just such a plethora of, of, of amazing scholarship um, that our scholars produce and, and, and our institution gives them the space to do that. Um, you know, this past year I've enjoyed reading The Right by Matt Continetti and Corey Shockey's op-eds in The Atlantic, um, the Eastern Front podcast, a new a new podcast from our foreign defense policy studies scholars. Um, but what stood out to me recently was an op-ed series by Hal Brands um, and Hal was looking at uh, how different countries would respond in the instance of a Taiwan contingency. Um, and I, I thought it was interesting, not only because it, it shed light on some of those, um, those countries, oftentimes we talk mm -hmm. only about the American response, but also because I think for the, the general reader to get an idea of the sense that this isn't just something that the United States cares about. Um, this is something Japan cares about. This is something Australia cares about, something Europe cares about in addition to obviously Taiwan caring a lot. Um, <laughs> so, so I think just to, to broaden that perspective that the, the whole world is really invested 
in Taiwan's security um, was very interesting. And I think Hal did a good job unpacking that. Oh, I love that. Camille. Yeah, I studied economics in undergrad. And so I'm always enjoyed thinking about the economy. So this fall, um, kind of similar to Chris's answer, I've really enjoyed just following the work of our economic scholars um, as we've watched inflation and gas prices and have kind of all watched and waited to see what the Federal Reserve is going to do next. Um, I've really enjoyed in particular um, Mike Strain, who is our head of the economic studies here. Um, I've really enjoyed reading his work. And also I had the opportunity, we had a group of students visit us from Baylor University um, last month, and he gave a presentation to them on the future, the three different possibilities for the next 12 months, Um, whether that be, you know, high chance of recession, slight chance of recession, or what he, Hmm. in his very humorous way, called a soft landing. Um, (laughs) So I really have enjoyed just following Mike Strain's work. But overall, our econ team is fantastic and is doing a lot of really interesting research. Um, And I really enjoy um, reading those articles in my free time here. So for me, it's actually a a new report that I've only read the executive summary of because it came out yesterday, Uh, but I'm excited to, over the break, dig into it a bit more uh, by Scott Winship, uh, and it's titled, Bringing Home the Bacon, Have Trends in Men's Pay Weakened the Traditional Family? So uh, this, to me, represents a, uh, a type of work that happens at a think tank like AEI, that just brings immense value into the public discourse because it's it's deeper than the sound bites that you hear hmm. uh, in DC at a lot of events on cable news even even in the op-eds pages and and it's and it's always I mean just Chris as you were mentioning about Hal or or Camille as you're mentioning about uh, about strain like even even within an op-ed our scholars mm-hmm. are often going a bit deeper uh, than the short than, than the than the shouting that all too ha- all too often. Mm-hmm happens about our nation's uh, big issues. And I think this report represents that kind of deep work. I know Scott's other reports and work certainly certainly does. And, and I sort of also think about it, um, you know, have trends in men's pay weaken the traditional family? It's another interesting question all around men and work mm. in America that Nicholas Eberstadt has done a lot of work on and what feels like might be a a book series uh, of men without work, his most recent edition being the post pandemic edition having just come out. So it's, you know, it's another example of the type of scholarship that happens here at AEI uh, that is, is, is really valuable to the public discourse, but, but often is, is the kind of work that, that isn't, uh, isn't necessarily top of mind on, Mm. uh, on the nightly, on the nightly news. All right. So moving right along, um, what is your favorite podcast and why? And to be clear, it might be an AI podcast, but it might be beyond. <laughs> that is totally great either way. Uh, so, Chris, since you're the podcast producer <laughs> here on our team, let's start with you. What's your favorite podcast and why? Sure, sure. Um, so my my favorite podcast is not an AEI podcast, um, but it's a podcast where AEI scholars have made appearance appearances, um, most notably Arthur Brooks and Jonah Goldberg relatively recently. And that is the Sam Harris podcast. Um, and there's several reasons why I love the Sam Harris podcast. Um, my dad and I are both, you know, huge fans of it and we love talking Aww. about it. Um, <laughs> but for me, I think more than any other public intellectual out there, um, I, I think the way in which Sam, Sam approaches 
you know, really sometimes divisive, controversial, deep and profound topics, um, very, very carefully, very, very astutely, um, responsibly, um, but also in a way that is completely fearless. Um, and he, he is perhaps the most articulate human being on the, on the, on the face of the earth. So if you ever want to just improve wow, your, yeah, if you ever want to improve, <laughs> oh uh, your vocabulary, you can't go wrong with listening to that show. Mm. Um, the other reason I enjoyed a lot is because I disagree with Sam, um, on quite a lot of issues, notably, you know, religion um, among many others. Um, but nonetheless, I, I find it refreshing and intellectually challenging um, and, and I feel like I, I actually grow when I listen to it and have my, my opinions challenged. So highly recommend that podcast. Yeah. I mean, that is a much more intellectual and robust <laughs> answer than mine. Um, I have the fun, you need a break from studying podcast suggestion that's a friend introduced to me last year. It's called you're wrong about, um, and it's actually, it's several years old now. Um, and it was formerly of two co-hosts. Now it's just one but I've really enjoyed listening this fall. They kind of go back and retell stories that we get wrong. So everything from the McDonald's mm. hot coffee case to, um, you know, the, the story behind Newsies. Like, why was Newsies a phenomenon to the Dixie Chicks? Um, to They have some episodes on, you know, losing relatives to Fox News and really what is the birth of the culture wars. Um, this fall, actually, while working on this team and having some afternoons spent doing data stuff, I've really enjoyed listening to their five-part series on Princess Diana um, and kind of tracing the very beginning um, of her life all the way to the end. Um, so that's a great one if you ever need a break from academia. They're really funny and they're really smart. And they, I mean, it's a great example of them doing research really well and then also asking why. Why do we have these misconceptions? Um, what are the cultural myths that get told over and over again and what 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 is truth um particularly in these cases where people have really been you know you think about the mcdonald's hot coffee case is example um the original story is very different than the story we know hmm. i've um, never heard of the mcdonald's coffee case so oh, i guess really? i have to go listen to that podcast yeah now. um just to explain briefly it happened i want to say late 90s here i go now i don't have my facts straight <laughs> um but a lady spilled hot coffee on herself in a mcdonald's parking lot and ended up suing McDonald's because the coffee was too hot. Um, so it's kind of a popular cultural antidote people will talk wow. about sometimes. Yeah. Um, but like the real story behind it is far more complex and interesting than the antidote that gets told in pop culture. So yeah. Okay. As it usually is. Um, so I could go one or two directions with this. And I, I, I'm going to say that there, you know, there's lots of daily podcasts mm. out there or even weekly podcasts. And Chris probably knows what I'm going to say because we talk about we talk about this one, which is uh, the commentary daily podcast. I'm a big fan of. Um, so uh, and and there is an AI scholar uh, on on that podcast in uh, Christine Rosen. Uh, but it's from it's from the team at Commentary Magazine and they do a daily podcast uh, usually talking about one, if not two, if not sometimes three, uh, big big mm. news items. Uh, and uh, my my wife roasted me on uh, some of my daily podcast listening because she said, 
you realize this is just like what our dads used to listen to with talk radio <laughs> on their commutes. And now you just have this daily podcast, which is true. But um, the other one I'm going to give is a suggestion that I would really encourage our uh, executive council students to listen to, which is a, a short, limited run, seven episode podcast uh, that was all last year in 2021, uh, but is... St- as relevant today as it ever mm. was, which is the hangover from the dispatch with uh, Chris Steyerwalt, also mm. an AI scholar. Uh, and in this limited seven episodes, each episode is a little over an hour. Um, Chris and, and other experts uh, seek to explain what went wrong in 2020 for the mm. GOP and how it got here after winning it all in 2016. And I think the lessons there, they're, 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 they're bigger than just politics. Mm. They're cultural as well. And it was, it was an excellent, uh, it was an excellent piece of work by Steyerwalt. And I would highly recommend uh, students listen to that. All right. Now we're getting into a little bit of a uh, rapid fire situation with some of these final, final questions where we're zooming, zooming out ever larger into uh, <laughs> cultural topics. What's your favorite book and why? Camille, we'll start with you. Okay, I'm going to go real quick because I've got two. Um, one, got to give a shout out to my girl, Anna Green Gables, a classic. They're laughing at me here in the studio, but just a great heartwarming tale that I read every summer. Um, book that shaped me the most day-to-day life, um, particularly living in Washington, D.C., is a great book called Walkable City by Jeff Speck. And it's all about cities and urban planning and how do we think about oh, how I to build that. good cities, but also how do we build walkable cities um, and places for people to flourish. So I think about parking garages and sidewalk lengths and trees all day long. <laughs> I don't know that you've ever mentioned this book. Yeah. I'm, I'm intrigued. It's a great book. It's a little, it's like maybe 2015, 2014. Okay. Um, but it's really shaped how I live in D.C. and how I think about my neighborhood and think about how neighborhoods are developed. Um, yeah. Across America, but particularly is this, in D.C. Is reading that book why you bike to work? Um, <laughs> definitely. I mean, there's a huge, there's a whole chapter on biking. Okay. Um, everything from the technical bike lane policy. Um, this guy is an urban planner, so this is his specialty, but also why bikes are good for people and for communities. So big, big bike Love to work yeah. girl. I, I also bike to work. Yeah. Um, Chris Healy, do you bike to work? I, I am lucky enough to walk, but maybe our next team retreat should be in oh, yeah. Amsterdam. Oh, sounds <laughs> good to bike. me. <laughs> All right, Chris, what about you? Favorite book? Um, so my favorite book goes all the way back to high school, actually my junior year of high school. Um, and that book is The Kite Runner by Khaled Hosseini. Um, it's just, I don't even know how to describe it. I wouldn't be able to do it justice in, you know, a minute. Um, but it's so eloquently and beautifully mm. written. It's it's at, at times such a heartwarming and tragic story. Uh, and I just remember, I think maybe it was the only time in high school that this happened, but we had maybe a week, two weeks to read it. And I read it in two days because I couldn't put it down. Wow, those are the best. Yeah. And, and I would encourage everybody to check it out, especially now, given, uh, given what's happened in Afghanistan and just to make those stories all the more real mm-hmm. uh, and pertinent. That's, that's my favorite book. Love it. There was a, so I always struggle with these types of favorite, you know, book, mm-hmm. favorite movie, favorite TV show. And I, always have recency bias um so with that as a caveat uh my my favorite book because similar to how how you were talking about uh was it walkable walkable city Mm -hmm. similar to how you were talking about that camille um a book that i read uh after living and working in washington dc on these big cultural issues 
that similar to you, Chris, talking about the Kite Runner, I could not put it down, even though it's a pretty crunchy, mm-hmm. uh, not academic necessarily, but, you know, borderline popular slash academic book is The Righteous Mind by Jonathan Haidt. Hmm. Um, and, you know, he, he, uh, so he's a professor at NYU, a social psychologist, and uh, the subtitle of the book is Why Good People Are Divided by Politics and Religion. And hmm. it, it's one of those books that shaped my thinking and helped me understand <laughs> these big conflicts that we get into in this country and why people, even people of goodwill and good faith, are divided by things like politics and religion. Um, so that would be that would be my favorite book. All right, next one. It is the holiday season. What is your favorite Christmas movie and why? So this is a, a bit of a controversial opinion. Uh, this is a polarizing movie. Um, <laughs> my favorite Christmas movie is A Christmas Carol with Jim Carrey <laughs> playing Ebenezer Scrooge. To be clear, um, it's Jim Carrey's voice because it is a cartoon. Well, I think it's it it he has one of those suits on, so he is kind of like it's actually his, <laughs> oh his mannerisms and whatnot. Um, right. But yeah, yeah, it's not like that. Oh gosh, that horrific Grinch outfit that he was wearing. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, no, it's a it's a wonderful movie. Um, it's it's pretty long, but it's very substantive. It's pretty deep, mm. um, and actually, one of the main reasons I love that movie is because of the music. Um, and Andrea Bocelli, who is the greatest singer on planet Earth, uh, there's some of his his Christmas songs in it. And Jim Carrey is just, yeah, he's he's very good at Ebenezer Scrooge. I'll say that much. Yeah, I mean, you've got to go with the classic. You got to go with Elf. Um, it's almost 20 years old, which is crazy. It was made in 2003, um, but it's just you know, heartwarming tale of chaos in New York City. Okay, so mine is also Elf, and the reason is because it's. It's very rare to see a new movie make its way into being a pop culture classic, mm. which I think Elf has done. And totally, I know, you know, totally. 20 years is, is some time, but you know, that's not, you know, I, that's not, it's a wonderful life. It's not Miracle on 34th Street, right? But I, I do think Elf has because, you know, it's a story. Um, yes, it's funny. Will Ferrell's incredible, but you know, it's a story about redemption, reunion, family, and James Con being scary. And James Con being scary. Uh, but one of the one of the other reasons that I like Elf so much um, is because Will Ferrell was offered a lot of dollars huh. to make a sequel, but he just couldn't get there with the script, and he huh. thought it's too good. Let's not mess with it. And I respect that so much. Yeah. They they avoided the Home Alone slip into absurdity. Oh, wow. <laughs> right. Now, have your kids seen Elf yet? That's the real question. We have attempted. Okay. Uh, and they're not interested yet. Hmm. A little scary. Yeah. A little scary. Um, all right. Well, before we wrap up, I do have a few more rapid fire Christmas questions. Oh boy, here and we I, go. And I mean rapid fire. All right, all right. These I'm were ready. not. These were not on the list. You weren't. <laughs> okay. You weren't prepped. Camille, we'll start with you. Yeah. What is your favorite thing to eat at Christmas? Cranberry Jello. Chris. Bouche de Noel. Could, could you explain? <laughs> what is Bouche de Noel? What is this? <laughs> a Bouche de Noel is a, uh, f- it's like a French tradition. Um, and basically it's a cake, typically like a chocolate cake that's okay. baked in the shape of a log. Uh, um, yeah. And it's like a, basically a Yule log cake. Mm, and, okay. and it's something my family has been 
doing. So they okay. they get them they they make them at Whole Foods and they're pretty good. So okay, yeah. I love that. Yeah, I love that. Uh, so mine would be uh, my mom's. Uh, it's called agape trash, uh, which it's like imagine a a uh, a Chex mix uh, with this white chocolate glaze all over it, mm. and so we clear off all the tables in the house and mix it in these huge bowls, lay it all out, let it dry, and then put it in bags, and that's what we give as our. Mm. So instead of like Christmas cookies, we give this. Is really it like puppy chow? You heard of that? Uh, sort of, sort okay. of, yeah, yeah. But a glaze instead of like powdered powder. Powder, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah okay. exactly. Yeah. Okay. Uh, next thing, what is your favorite thing to drink during the holiday season? Um, I'm going to butcher the pronunciation of this. I think it's Gluvine. Oh, it's, yeah. Yeah, mold wine. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Delicious sure. with okay. a little bit of orange. Had All that right. last weekend. It's very there nice. There you go. Come here. Drink responsibly. <laughs> <laughs> I love hot wassail, which is cranberry <laughs> juice, pineapple, cider and one other thing and then a bunch of cloves and spices and you make it mm. hot on the stove and that's like a classic family Christmas oh, yeah. thing. What is yeah. it? Hot, hot wassail? Hot wa- I have to try it just oh, for the name. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, no, both of those definitely uh, lead to delicious holiday uh, smells. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's the sort of scent of the holidays. Uh, so mine would be, so I, I'm very much a coffee snob, love craft coffee. <laughs> Uh, when I road trip to Texas with my dog from D.C., which is a, a holiday tradition, um, I love stopping at craft craft shops across the United States and then have mm. all. So anyway, my dad, brother, and I, uh, as well as our wives, are all very into, except my mom. She doesn't drink coffee, but everybody else does. We consume a lot of it, and it's fun to drink different craft coffees uh, throughout the holidays. Um, okay, last one. Is there anything about this season that you are a Grinch or a Scrooge about? I can be a real Scrooge about, you just should not start listening to Christmas music until after Thanksgiving. I don't Hard know, disagree. I don't know Hard where all disagree. these crazy people November are coming 1st. from. So I'm a big, <laughs> I'm a big, you don't decorate, you don't celebrate. Should you even say the word Christmas, you know, <laughs> until the day after Thanksgiving? So that's my hot take. Um, I'm also going to end, uh, end on a hot take, which is, I I become the Grinch slash Ebenezer Scrooge every time I hear the Mariah Carey Christmas song. It is <laughs> the like worst. It, for us, it is the worst song ever written, um, and it should never be played ever. Well, <laughs> that's my take. There you go. No, those are great. I I can't I can't overcome either of mm. those. And um, though I played Ebenezer Scrooge in my fourth grade, mm. uh, in wow. my fourth grade end of year production, um. I'm not really a Scrooge about anything. Maybe that makes mm. me a little two-dimensional. But, uh, yeah, no, I love it. I love the holiday mm. season. And D.C. is a very fun town for the holidays. Everything's decorated. You know, there's greenery everywhere. There's bows. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, I'm going to do it. We ask our scholars this every uh, every week uh, when we have a Campus Exchange podcast. So I'm going to ask you all, what do you know now that you wish you knew when you were in college? I suppose this is this is pretty obvious if you think about it, but it doesn't always feel like it when you um, when you graduate college. It feels like every moment is existential, and this is a make or break moment for your career. But I think um, you will be surprised by how much you grow, mm-hmm. uh, even in the the first few months out of college, let alone the first year and a half. Um, and so much of that comes from 
trying things out that that don't necessarily work well, uh, failures, mistakes, um, and then discovering hidden strengths that you didn't think you had. Uh, so just, you know, be patient. Uh, I wish I was more patient with myself after I graduated college. And I've, I'm starting to learn that lesson about a year and a half, two years out now. Love that, Chris. Camille. Wow, that was so beautiful. Chris. <laughs> inspired. Yeah. Um, mine honestly echoes. I have many friends who are still in their undergraduate days. And I remind them frequently there is life after college. And it is good, if not better. Um, than college. College is a great four years of your life, but it is not the only four years of your life. Um, so just there's lots to look forward to in terms of friends and places to live and work to do and books to read that you don't have to read. Um, yeah, that's so always nice. Lots to look forward to. Be excited. College is a wonderful four years, but there's life beyond it too. Don't stress about your first job. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't stress about it. Um, you know, maybe you decide it based on, I want to live in that city. And so, you know, if, if the job pays well, if it seems like you're remotely interested in the topics that the company or organization deals with, jump in. Yeah. Um, don't be stressed about, about your, your first job. Um, I spent way too much time in college being very stressed mm. about my first job um, and had a much longer job search because of it. And uh, happy for the lessons learned in that. But I would love to pass on to our current students. Don't be stressed. Jump in. Um, it'll, it'll be just fine. And it'll be fun looking backward one day to see how that first job, uh, made sense or didn't. And then it's a great story to tell <laughs> at an end of year company holiday party. <laughs> yeah. uh, oh, listen to my first job. <laughs> so, all right. Well, Chris, Camille, thanks for jumping in, uh, here Thank on you. the campus yeah. exchange podcast. This was fun. I, I hope our listeners, uh, enjoyed something a little bit different, but we thought, you know, uh, with the, with the end of 22 and before the new year's holiday in 2023, uh, we could, we could do this to introduce some more of our academic programs team to those of you who are listening along to this campus exchange podcast. Uh, but fear not, our students and our scholars are coming back for the real conversations that happen here on the Campus Exchange podcast. So I, I hope you enjoyed today's conversation with Chris and Camille. I know I did. Thanks again, Chris and Camille, for being here. Thank you for Thanks. having. This is so Great fun. To be here. All right. I hope you enjoyed this special end of year episode of the Campus Exchange podcast and have no fear. Our students and our scholars are going to be back very soon on this channel to have the hard hitting policy focused conversations that you've come to expect. So uh, wherever you are listening to this, I hope you have had a wonderful 2022 and I want to wish you a very happy holiday season and happy new year with 2023 just around the corner. And we'll see you then.